paints an image, a picture. Now faith is the vision, substance is what the Bible says, things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to take you over to Psalm 107. Tonight we're going to talk about say. We're going, to, we're going to, if you could title this teaching, it'd just be simply called Say So. Um, Psalm 107 is one of my favorites. I've quoted from Psalm 107:20 many times. He sent his word and healed. But the writer of Psalms starts out by saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. This psalm is... It begins just like with an explosion of thanks and gratitude. He says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. I believe that pivotal, this is pivotal for us. That if we believe that God is good and God is love, there's a lot of people in church today who really don't, they doubt whether God really loves them. And you can tell by their, you know, the, their, the way they live. It, it's very important to understand that when you know how much you're loved and, and you understand the goodness of God, you've heard me use those scriptures over and over, Psalm 34, 10, 84, 11, 103, 1 through 5, and, and Matthew 7, 11, then Philippians 2, 1 and 6 and 2, 13, James 1 and 17. We're going over to James, but not yet. It says, for he is good. If you read in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible said after he said, that same thing, I want to focus on say, that word say, because I think it's really important for you and I. And, and so the Bible said, for God said, and every time... God saw that it was good. And it's important to know that he's inherently good. And, you know, contrary to, he's not an angry God. He's not looking for vengeance. Even though he says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. And he's talking uh, about in the finality of it. But it says, for his mercy, that word mercy means loving kindness, cassette. You heard me talk about it before. It means that God is so on fire to do whatever it takes to bless us. And he's already done that. We're not waiting on God to do something. We're in time. He's in eternity. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. And... Paul writes in Galatians that before the foundation of the world, the, the works of God were completed. And so we, many times we're waiting on God to move and God's waiting on us to move. Um, people say they want more. They want more of God. But you understand that, that he's waiting on us to die to this flesh in our own 
desires. And, and so he goes on to say that loving kindness endures forever. That means Malachi. He said, I'm the Lord. I don't change. And in Hebrews 13, 8, the writer says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same. That means there's no, and I like what John said, in him there is no darkness at all. He is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. That means there's no ulterior motive. There's nothing that God has. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, the prince of this world is coming, but he has no nothing in me. He has no, there's no darkness in Jesus. There's no darkness in God. And, and so uh, it endures forever. Then he said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I believe that that is so important because what we say really matters. I, I, I read the devotional that Sister Martha gave us about the power of your words and taken from the scriptures uh, because we know if God, when he created the universe and the galaxies and the world. He just spoke. He said. He said something. And and uh, the, the scripture says that he's not a man that he should lie. So if he said that chair was red, it would turn red. Because he, he don't lie. And, and so he says, let the redeemed. That word redeemed it's a word that comes from Gaul, Gaul, spelled G-O-E-L or G-A-A-L, uh, has a powerful meaning. It, it, it means, actually it means kinsman. Okay, it means next of kin, to be next of kin. Now let me take you, isn't it amazing that God would come into our humanity? Jesus, he sent his son, the, the, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, how was he begotten? Through the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. God came into our humanity. Now, let me, let me tell you, he got thirsty. He had to draw water just like me and you. I mean, not everybody drew water, but I, I remember what it was like to draw water and drink out of a bucket on the back porch. He had to draw water in his day. They didn't have plumbing, right? Um, well, that Romans had plumbing, but when we think about Jesus, he got tired. He sat on the well. He got weary because he was he, he was just as much human as we are. He was 100% man. That's so that, and that was the way that when, when he didn't come into the world to be, to have the life that Adam had before the fall. He, he didn't come into the world to have that life. He came in to have the life that you and I know. So he feels what we feel. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he knows he was tempted just like we are, yet without sin. But he came 
And, and if he came to, I know he came to save us from our sins. But some people don't go any further. It was so much, that's important. That is so important. Because sin means, harmatia means to miss the mark. It means to be without form. It, it, it's what happened when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent came to Eve. And it was about identity. I mean, he didn't tempt her to smoke a cigarette. He didn't tempt her to take a drink. He didn't even tempt her to murder Adam. All of that's behavior that comes, I believe, from identity. He did say this. First of all, he said to her, did God really say that? Then he made God out of a liar. The devil said he lied to you. He's holding something back from you. Because he knows when you eat that fruit, you're going to be a God. That, that's, that desire has not changed in the fallen race of humanity. Because people want their way. When, when I quoted that scripture from Matthew 16, it's, it's evident. A person who is crucified with Christ a person who denies himself. That, that's so important. When we deny ourselves. it means to leave all your pursuits. It don't mean you stop living and enjoy the journey because there's an abundant life that comes with it, but it's not the priority anymore. It becomes that, that in our life that God gives us to enjoy but we know that that's not on the top of the list. And the older I get, the more I realize that. And when he said, take up your cross, that word cross, is, is a, we know it's a, a, an instrument of torture and death. But it also, when he said, Jesus said, take up your cross, it's, it means death as in self-denial. And we, we're living in a world where people want comfort, they want convenient, right? They want comfort and they want convenient. Forget that if you want to be. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Now, now let me tell you what, who he's talking about. You know he's not talking about the prostitutes and, and the tax collectors. He's not talking about those people. Because they, I mean, he, he really, he, he would eat supper with them. He's talking about the religious people. He's talking about the people that thought they were perfect yeah. when it comes to the law. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking to people. It, those are the people that hated Jesus or the people that thought they had it figured out mm -hmm. and following the law. So as he said, so, so there's people, it's amazing, you still have those people that want to know what denomination you are or what you believe. That's important. But if you don't know who you are, that is going to be skewed somewhat. So when you think about, he said, let the redeemed of the Lord. Jesus came into our humanity. And, and he lived just like us. 
for, for remember for 30 years there's he didn't do anything except he was a carpenter he, he grew up just like we've grown up and the people in the town knew him and that's why when he was doing the miracles they said who does he think he is he's just a carpenter because they didn't know who he was and this this was coming mostly from the religious crowd but he he says let the redeemed now I want to give you some more of that because Jesus came to redeem us Paul said Christ has redeemed us now that word redeem I'm telling you it's taken on a whole new it's so richer for me and, and it will be for you and maybe already is because redeem comes from the same word as kinsman if you go back into the oriental uh, days of, of as far back as in the Bible as you can go and find redeem is in Ruth yes. remember kinsman. let's just go over there for a moment because I want to I elaborate on the book of Ruth in chapter 4 we're going to chapter 4 we're not going to read the whole story remember uh, Elimelech means God is king he took Naomi and his two sons when there was a famine in Bethlehem Judah Bethlehem Judah means the house of bread and the house of praise and there was a famine so he leaves and takes his family to Moab which is the land of lustful pleasures remember the Moabites the, the Moabites were idolaters they were wicked people and he takes them into that land. Well, Elimelech dies in the land of lustful pleasures. We know that that you know nothing should ever cause us to want to leave the house of bread and the house of, house of worship. Sometimes when we come to church, I, I believe God always has a table for us. But I want you to pray for me that I'll be able to recognize when God's serving bread and when He's serving wine. Yes. Because when the spirit moves, like we've seen him move, that's when the wine, the new wine, bread is like tonight. He's given us his bread, this life. So Boaz, uh, Elimelech dies. His two sons marry two women from Moab, Ruth and Orpah. They all die. And Naomi hears that there's God had visited Bethlehem, Judah, and there's bread, and, and it's harvest time. God's timing's impeccable, and, and she leaves, takes her, uh, Orpah goes, kisses her mother-in-law, and, and Ruth cleaves to her mother-in-law, and I remember preaching one time and telling folks there's kissers and cleavers. <laughs> there's those that'll kiss you by. They're, they're just casual in their acquaintance with you. They really don't get connected with you. Then there's cleavers, people who draw life from the life that's in you. People who will also pour life into you. So Naomi comes back and, and it's harvest time and we know that he sends Ruth out to glean in the edges of the field because that's where the poor folks, they, they weren't allowed by the law of Moses, by the law of God to, to harvest the corners of the field because uh, the poor 
the people who were less fortunate, didn't own land or didn't have the crops, could come and, and they could be sustained by the grain in the corners of the field. So Ruth shows up and she is thinking about the corners, but she didn't wind up in the corners because Boaz shows up and tells his young reapers, he said, hey, let her reap in the main field and drop some handfuls on purpose for her. And we know she comes back and she's loaded with barley. And Ruth, Naomi said, where'd you get all that? And she told her about Boaz and Naomi knows Boaz is a close relative. So Naomi tells Ruth, when they've harvested all the grain, go to the threshing floor. And at night, when everybody's asleep, lay down at the feet of Boaz. Now, Boaz is an older man. Lay down at the feet of Boaz because he's a kinsman redeemer. And, and let's see where God's going to take this. And he's startled in the night. He sees Ruth laying at his feet and he begins to speak about Ruth. It's in chapter 3. Mm -hmm. He says, look what he says about her in verse 10. When he wakes up and she asks him, spread your skirt over your handmaid. Do you understand that he's, she's talking about the prayer shawl, mm -hmm. the tzitzit, the same thing that Jesus wore when the woman touched him and was healed of the issue of blood. Ruth said, Cover me with your wings. Under his wings thou shalt trust. Cover me with your wings. And because you're a near kinsman. Well, in verse 10 it said, He told her, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for you showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as you followed not young men whether poor or rich, that's integrity. That girl, see, she had been so influenced by Naomi because she told Naomi, she said, entreat me not to leave you because I want to go. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. And I think God heard that. And, and it says, and as much as you didn't follow the young men, now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to you as you require, for all the city of my people does know that you're a virtuous woman. Now, it's true that I'm, I'm your near kinsman, but there's one that's closer than me. So, by law, Boaz is a man of integrity, too. So, he said, tarry here tonight, and it'll be in the morning. I'm going to perform unto you the part of the kinsman. Well, let him, if he does it, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee as the Lord lives, lay down until the morning. And she lay down at his feet till the morning and rose up before anyone could know. And then in chapter 4, look at verse 1. Then went Boaz to the gate, sat him down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. And he said, Oh, such one, he said, just sit down here with me. I need to talk to you. He took ten men. Here is a picture of the law. <clears throat> ten elders were a picture of the law. 
of the city, and they, they were the governing body. These ten elders, he sat down there to be witnesses, and he said to the kinsman, Naomi has come again out of the country of Moab, sells a parcel of land, which our brother Elimelech's was our brother's Elimelech's. Now notice he's not saying anything else except there's a parcel, there's a field that eliminate on that somebody needs to redeem. There's some integrity too. He don't even mention Ruth yet. And it said, I thought to advertise you saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, then tell me that I may know for there's none to redeem it beside you and I'm after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Now watch. Then said Boaz, what day you buy the field of the hand of Naomi, you've got to buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Because that was the tradition and the laws that God implemented so that the dead would have seed after them. And look. The kinsman said, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Now look at religion. You know why he said that? It's because she's a Moabite. She's not good enough for him. She's not good enough for religion. Lest I mar, that word mar, it means to ruin my own inheritance. Go ahead and redeem my right to yourself, for I can't redeem it. Now, this was the manner in the form of time when, when they were redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe, gave it to his neighbor, and was a testimony in Israel. Therefore, the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for you. So he drew off his shoe. Now, I used to wonder, why did they give him a shoe? The other guy, this is the guy that said, I, I don't want to mar my inheritance. Really, mar my reputation. So he took off his shoe, meaning I'll never walk on that property. So this is yours to redeem. So we know that that word redeem, only a person who is in the family only, whew, only a person that is closely related could be a, a kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. I want you to think about Jesus. If he redeemed us, yeah. he came into our humanity to become, so we could become family. It was the Son of God coming on behalf of the sons and daughters of God. He comes as the Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer. To buy back everything the devil. See, what happened in the garden, man gave up all his rights through the contract of obeying and, and disobeying God and, and he came on board with God's arch enemy so we see here a pattern that 
is a beautiful picture of, of Jesus, Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, who covers us with his wings, brings us into the family. He could, what would happen is if someone got in debt and they were about to lose their land, because we know God had given all of Israel parcels of land in the promised land. But if they got in debt and is about to lose the land, the only person that could help them was a, was a kinsman. They said, I'll buy it. They'll, they'll pay the debt and they get to keep their land. And even deeper than that, a kinsman redeemer, if somebody threatened one of his family, he said, I'll avenge you. The kinsman redeemer is also an avenger. He's, he's the, the prosecutor. He's the judge and the executioner, if that needs to be. If you touch them, you're touching me. It's what the kinsman redeemer, his, his, his role was in that day. So can you see Jesus when he talks to Saul on the road to Damascus. Who are you? I'm the Lord that you're persecuting. Well, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's touching all of, he's touching the kinsman, Redeemer's children. We know who we are. That gives us a protective covering, a, 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 a protector, one that will fight for us. And a bit, that's why he says, he said, bless those that curse you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Why, why? When you bless the, one scripture says you heat coals of fire on their head. Yeah. So as the kinsman redeemer Jesus came to buy us, redeem us, to, to, to pay the price. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down by the right hand of the Father. So he said, let the redeemed. So that makes us redeemed. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, there's something that you and I can do that no other creature on this planet can do. There's no, I know that there's people who think they can, but they can't say. We're, we're, we are the people along with the Father. He can say. We can say. Do you understand the the, the, the wind and the vibration in the back of our throat and, and, and the vocal cords and the, the enunciation we use with our mouth and the tongue, when we release those words, we're saying something. And, and, and I want to, when he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, what is he talking about? That word, it means to, to repeat. 
That word say, amar. It's used with great latitude. It means also to answer. So when we talk to people, the answer is also say. We, we, if they ask a question, they're saying, and when they, if we give an answer, it's also saying, but when you think about this word say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So what, what do we say? What do we talk about? There's so many people who are addressing their issues and circumstances with their five senses. Mm -hmm. What you can taste, touch, smell, see, and hear. Right. And where they are has a lot to do with what they say. Mm -hmm. So if you allow your five senses to dictate your words, if you let it control your words, it's not going to get you very far. Could get you in trouble. But if you say what God said, why? We're redeemed. So he's asking us, say so. When I begin to come into this understanding of words, I've been saying it today. I've been saying so today. Thank you, Lord, that you redeemed me from the curse of the law. Thank you that you're my kinsman redeemer. You're my elder brother. Your father is my father. The love he has for you, he has for me. Thank you, Lord, that I know my best days are ahead because you said the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter than the perfect day. So what do I say? I, I've already found out the more you talk about the stuff that gives you anxiety, the deeper you can go into yeah. that anxiety. Mm -hmm. That's why Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Amen. But in everything, mm -hmm. with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what God says. His peace will guard your heart. Set up armed sentinels over your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Who is yes. Jesus? The Redeemer. Yes, the kinsman Redeemer. Yes. So that's what it means when he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm -hmm. But Jesus said, this, in that day, you're going to know that I'm in the Father and that you are in me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do we say? I think that we have to mature and train ourselves to say what God says. Let me tell you this testimony. I was sitting in the, the vehicle waiting for them to bring, they instructed me to go wait in the car until they brought my wife out in the wheelchair and brought her to the car after the pain mark. And so I got on the phone with George Stewart. He called me while I was sitting there. And we, we've been, we've already had one, uh, couple of conversations and but not like this one, because it, it was amazing. He began to speak, I believe, what God said. He told me, he said, he said, you've kind of been in the background, Bethel's kind of been in the background, said God said it's time, and you're about to step on the, on the stage. 
He said, you've kind of been hidden because God's seen your heart. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be thousands mm -hmm. and thousands and thousands of people. What is it, 200 million people in Alabama? Is it, or is it the United States? I can't remember for sure, but, but it's possible that thousands and thousands of people are going to be tuned in of all ethnicities, oh. of every background. They're going to be tuned in. They're going to be watching. They're going to see that right up there. And by the way, we got to move the pulpit. Cause, and I told him whatever he needed. But, but he began to tell me about an 80-year-old evangelist in the Church of God in Christ that was still preaching. He had gone to a church and was staying in a hotel. And a pastor called him and said, I want you to come tonight. He was planning on going home. He wasn't going to preach anymore. You know, that, that, that weekend. You know, when you get a certain age, you can just kind of do what you want. And sometimes you can just say no. And that's what he told that pastor. He said, no, I'm not, I don't want to go. He didn't tell, he, I'm sure he did it in love, but, but he told his wife, he said, I don't want to go. He already canceled me one time and I don't want to go to his church. Well, his wife kind of went around and said, he'll come. And he, he was scheduled to get on the plane and leave that, that evening. And Brother George said what happened is when they woke up in the morning and, and were scheduled to go, it was coming a monsoon. And he said, not, and, he, and, and this evangelist said, not only do I not want to go, now it's coming a flood and I got to go in the rain and there won't be anybody there. Well, they sent the car to pick him up. He said he got there, walked in the building and it's packed. Wow. He said he gets up to preach and the Holy Ghost begins to move. He said it hits this section over here and people just fall out and start speaking in tongues. It moves over to another section, they just fall out. Moves over to another section. He said, he said, Pastor, it was, a, he said, it, it was amazing. He said, but here's the amazing part. These were Muslims. That fell out. Began to speak in tongues. He said, God's getting ready to do something. In this, I got goosebumps yeah. all over. Yeah. He's getting ready to do something. Yes. Mm -hmm. So anytime you see the pressure, he also told me, he said, I want you to pray for me and, and we're going to pray for him because he said, when you're doing something for God, you're in the fight of your life. You and he said, Pastor, I'm in the fight of my life. I said, we're going to pray for you. I already have, but I'm asking you to help me, join me and pray for Pastor George. Let me tell you something else. Since he knows my wife, He's telling me all this, and he's shouting, and in the background, he takes his phone away so he can speak in tongues and, and, and glorify God, and it's real, because I'm telling you, my whole car is filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe the whole parking lot, I don't know, but but it, it, it was real. You, you know when it's real. I come wheeling my wife out, and I'm talking to Brother George, I have to get out, and the thing's dinging because the key's in the ignition, and I walk around, and and I put her in the, he's still shouting. 
I put her in the car, the nurse puts her in the car uh, and we get her buckled in and I get in the car and sit down. I don't crank it up. And he said, is your wife in the car now? I said, yes, sir. She's in the car. He said, let me speak to her. Wow. I held the phone over. My wife is about half out of it because she's just come out of, they give her this little really fun kind of <laughs> anesthesia that has a little stuff in it that she's like half out and she said it felt so good but I, it's funny because you know she, when she's been in pain that long um, if, you, if you get a chance don't tell her I told you but ask her how it felt when when she'd been to wake up from the anesthesia and, and, uh, but, but here's the cool part she's sitting here and she's about half out of it and brother George begins to speak into her life mm -hmm. I'm talking about under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost he said I want to tell you sister that that man needs your support and he and you, he can't get your full support when you're in this condition and I just say to you that this is uh, ended today that you were healed and you were whole that Jesus already paid the price for you to be healed and whole and you're going to be able to be by his side and you're going to be able to do what God's called you to do and I'm telling you he just goes he stopped every now and then said hallelujah and begin to speak in tongues I'm talking about the host of Alabama gospel roots on TV and I, I thought man if PBS knew this oh, yeah. I, it would, it would yeah. they'd have a derailment yeah <laughs> But, but the, the power of, because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of new age stuff oh, yeah. that, that they promote too. But, yeah. but I'm telling you, the power of God and, and what he spoke to my wife and what he's spoken already over our church. Now, I'm sure he'll have to constrain himself a little bit when he's host. He always does. He's such a delightful, precious man. And, and I know that God made this divine connection. Uh, so that we could, and by the way, Josh is going to do an interview at 11 for Turning Point because jo Brother George asked me to. And uh, so he said he put him on the schedule for 11. And uh, just so you know, uh, the guys told me to look at you real serious while he's interviewing you. But I'm not going to do that because I love you too much and you're going to do great. You'd do great if I did that anyway because they're, they're playing with you. They, they drill me all the time anyway. I know, I know. Uh, he's got a sign. He he he's got a sign in his office that just when you think it all, you've seen it all. Just wait five minutes. Wait five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I am delighted to tell you all that God's timing's impeccable. It is. And you get ready. He's going to interview me like nine thirty. So. He wants to know all about Bethel, and, and I know usually those interviews are, are there. He, he's just, I saw him interview some other pastors, and they tell about their church and their ministry, but I, I want you to pray for me that I'll say what my father says. Because this is all the hand of God. Yeah. I don't think there's, it's by luck or chance that that mm -hmm. sign got put up the mm -hmm. week that they're coming. I don't believe any of that's coincidence. I think God orchestrated the whole thing and his timing is so impeccable. Men's breakfast, uh, as a matter of fact, I told him, I said, man, uh, I got this guy, Brother Alan Wilson, who's been doing the men's breakfast going on, what, two years or more? 
Probably more. I said, the last time, there's probably 40 people. I said, well, you guys can come. He said, well, I'm bringing eight with me. He said, we usually stop and get a biscuit, but, but I'll tell them to hold off. And when we get there, we'll, they may have to get their plates and go because they're setting up for the TV program. But all the things that God is doing here at Bethel. Yes. It, it, there's a lot. You know, sometimes you can, you can look past it if, you, if you're not very careful and, and don't understand the heart and the mind of the Father. But I believe that we're in a place right now, I just declare it, that there's about to be a spirit. God is bringing a shift. Mm -hmm. He's looking for new wineskins. Yeah. And let me tell you, he prepares the wineskins. They, they would do it this way. They would take old wineskins. They couldn't put new wine in it. Mm -hmm. and, and so I understand that's what God may be doing with us is getting our wineskins ready for the new wine because uh, the new wineskin had to have two things, oil and fire. Uh, they would dip that oil skin in the in the, the wineskin in the oil and then they'd hold it over the fire and make it pliable so it would hold the new wine so the new wine wouldn't spill and the wineskin wouldn't be spoiled. Those are the two benefits. We, the, the new wine is not going to be just spilled out. We're not going to be broken. He's, he's getting us ready. So let me pray for you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here tonight.